The following audio is from Life Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. For more information about our church, please visit lifebaptistchurch.com. Well, good morning. Everybody awake? You're about to be. We're going to wake you up here in just a second. Um, Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 9. I got to jump right in because I got a lot to say and I got to be finished so that the other group can come in here in a bit. But let me just say thank you for having me back. It's really good that you didn't tell pastor not to bring me back. That's good. Uh, But I I prayed just a moment ago with the team in there and just said, um, man, I don't take these things for granted to be able to share the word of God, to be able to teach it. Uh, At the same time, be able to learn as I teach, which is a really weird thing. If you've ever taught before, you actually are the one learning as well. Uh, And that's kind of a hard thing to get, get your mind around. But today I do want to talk about gratefulness and I want to ask you this question as we start today. How many of you grew up with moms or parents or whoever, grandparents, who said this kind of thing? Okay, here's what they said. Have you sent out your thank you cards yet? Anybody grow up like that? All right, so have you sent them out yet? Now, I know everybody didn't. In my family, we actually didn't do that so much necessarily. We did at times, but not a lot. Um, but we were always taught to say thank you. Listen, I'm from the South. It's yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, everything. And so a thank you was just something that, Amen. Amen. I got some like people here. All right. I was always taught to say thank you, though, when somebody gave me something that I didn't expect. Maybe it was a gift. Maybe it was something they didn't even have to do. And isn't that the point of what a thank you is? The point is a thank you is owed to someone who has gone out of their way for us. Maybe they've spent their resources on us. Maybe they've given up time doing something for us that they didn't have to do. It wasn't mandatory, but most of the time it actually was unexpected. And so when you have a heart of gratitude, when you say thank you, it's because somebody did something for you. Now in Christianity, this ought to mean a whole lot. You see, I believe this describes God's love toward us perfectly. When we say thank you to him, we understand that he did something for us that didn't need to be done. Now, I know you're the uh, 730 crowd, so I don't have to remind you of this, right? Most of you. You understand that he didn't have to die for us on the cross. You understand that he didn't have to bless us. He wants and he, and he wanted to do those things for us. Like it wasn't a mandatory thing that he did. He actually desired to do that. He doesn't have to. He didn't have to, but he did. Amen. And what should be our response? Well, our response should be gratefulness. So as we move ahead today in the message, I want to start by giving you a, de- a definition for gratefulness. And here's the definition. Gratefulness is the attitude of my heart toward that which is undeserved or unexpected. The attitude of my heart toward that which is undeserved or unexpected. Tim Keller actually said this in a tweet uh, uh, this past week. He said this. I, I just added this this morning because I remembered he said it. He said, it's one thing to be grateful. It's another thing to give thanks. Gratitude is what you feel. Thanksgiving is what you do. Most of the time, it's difficult for us to say thank you or to be thankful or to even celebrate Thanksgiving because the truth is, our heart attitude isn't right. Yeah, I didn't get as many amens on that one. See. <laughs> Psalm chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, and I won't read these specifically as they are here just for, for the sake of time, but we're going to kind of look at the whole chapter, and I'm going to do a running commentary uh, while I give you three questions to answer about gratefulness. But Psalm 9, 1 and 2 says this. He, the psalmist says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. 
I will tell of all your wonders. I'll be glad and exalt you. I will sing praise to your name, O Most High. Verse 1 says this. It says, I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart. Ironically, this root word is a, is a word that comes from the verb that we know to throw or to cast. It means to throw out, to cast, to intentionally, intensively, or emphatically, not just hand over or hand off, but to literally cast or to throw. Throw your affection on me. Throw your thanks upon me. I will give thanks to the Lord, the psalmist says. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, with all my heart. Now, if he was talking about just an outward action, that would be one thing. But he he adds this prepositional phrase, with all my heart. You see, the heart describes here not this pumping, beating thing that's inside my chest that's producing blood and throwing it out. But the heart is the inner man. With our inner man, we are to give thanks. So how should we give thanks? Not with my mouth only, but absolutely with my mouth. By telling him and by telling others. Not by my actions alone, but indeed by my actions. Some believe that just attending a service, listen, if this is the only time that you give God any of your time or energy or effort, listen, you're weak and anemic. If you ate this much, you'd die. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just being honest. Like gratefulness is not just showing up for a service. It's not just not sinning or doing good is, is, is all you want to do. Listen, that's not enough. But truthfully, all of this is inadequate. Just showing up and living a good Christian life. That's not what God's asking for alone. But here's the deal. He does want you to be like that. That's showing gratitude. Not just with my mouth or my actions. Not with my mind alone either. But absolutely with my mind. Some believe that knowing what the Bible says is good enough. And that's what makes us Christians. Or that's what gives us this standing before God as they study, as they read the Bible. But listen, that, this is also deficient. Some of the most annoying people I know know the Bible very well. They just don't live it. They can quote it chapter and verse. But this alone is not good enough. You see, it's supposed to be with all my heart. Not just with my mouth, not just with my actions, and not just with my mind, but with my whole heart. In fact, my soul, who I am and what I desire. You see, the heart is the combination. This heart that he's talking about here in Psalm chapter 9 is the combination. It is the compilation of the will, the emotion, the affection, and the behavior. It's what we desire to be. It's how we feel and we think. It's what we choose to love. It's what we choose to do. It's what makes us who we are. It's our soul. It's sitting in my notes, and I don't have a lot of time to tell it, but it just came to my mind. I remember my grandfather passed away a huge part of my life, and I went to the funeral home, and I mean, I was emotional, but to be honest with you, I was, I was kind of avoiding it. When I walked up to the casket and his body lay there, I thought I would feel differently. I looked at him, and while I knew that was granddaddy, the truth was is that wasn't granddaddy. That was the shell of granddaddy, because he didn't pop up and say, hey, Tomcat. Said, you want a big red and peanuts? He didn't say any of that. He didn't talk about baseball. It was just, and, and here's why. Because my granddaddy wasn't there. The shell was there, but his soul, his heart, the inner man was no longer there. And so it was totally different. We talk about loving God with all our heart or giving gratitude and, thankful, and being thankful for who he is. We're talking about the inside of you. Not just that which is on the outside. It's our soul. Our souls get tired, but our souls are real. And what our, what our soul desires is truly who we are. Because what that desires produces the 
words produces the actions. But contrast here with all my heart. I'm actually getting to the message. This is just the introduction. I'm pretty excited about it, though, to be honest with you. So contrast with all my heart with what it could have said with some of your heart. It doesn't. It says with all my heart. With all my heart means giving your best and giving your all. It means foregoing all other things. The desire to be like God. That's what with all my heart looks like. In my relationship with God, Lord, I give you all my life. In my marriage, this is the death to you part scenario. In my job, this is an I'll be the hardest worker and the real witness for you where you've placed me, Lord. In my church, I'll serve others more than I expect to be served. But if it's not with all my heart, with some of my heart could look like this. It's a kind of a take it or leave it scenario. There are other options. I can do other things if this doesn't work out. Whatever's best for me. That's what some of my heart looks like with some of my heart. In my relationship with God, it means I'll give you Sunday service, but not every minute of every day of my life. In a book by John Ortberg, he wrote, um, I forget the name of it now, it's off the top of my head. Let me think. Um, Anyway, I'll think of it in a minute. He said that your Christian life is not a part of your life, it is your whole life. I want you to think about that for a second. You don't add your Christian life to your vocational life and your financial life and your physical life and your... No, listen, your Christian life, which is your spiritual life, encompasses your life. It controls how you spend your money. It controls how you spend your time. It controls how you see your job and your marriage. In your relationship with God, it's every minute of every single day. The book is called The Life You've Always Wanted. That's, that's the book. I didn't have that in my notes either. I should probably write that down in between service. But not just in my relationship with God, but also in my marriage. This is, if, if I'm saying with just some of my heart in my marriage, this is an if it works out for me scenario. And if things get bad, then I'm out. I deserve better. And listen, I want to be sensitive to those who you, who, who, who've been through divorce. Listen, you wanted it to work, but maybe the person that you were with did not. And, and as the old saying goes, it takes two to tango. But here's what I'll tell you. We are supposed to stay together. It's hard. I know because I'm married for 26 years. Trust me, it's hard. And I'm the problem. He don't even know me, but he knows. See? I do the marriage counseling, most of it, at our church. And um, the premarital counseling as well. And when people come in, you know, premarital counseling is kind of easy. You know, they don't listen to hardly anything. They, they just love it and think it's just going to be great. And, you know, and it is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying... They're not thinking of any of the things that are going to be tough or difficult or the debates or the differences that they may have. They don't think about that. And one of the first questions I ask is this. If this doesn't work out, is there, is there another option? Like, is divorce an option? And if they ever say yes or even halt on the thought, man, I got a lot of work to do. Because you got to go in knowing this is the thing. You know why? Because this is not with some of my heart. This is with all of my heart. But not just in my relationship with God and not just in my relationship with my spouse or even with other people, but in my job. 
This is, listen, in your job, I know you got a, a, a boss who's a jerk. I get it, okay? I don't. But you might have, and I've had them before, but you're not there for the boss or even for the money. You say, I'm just there for the paycheck. Listen, don't miss the forest for the trees. You're there to give glory to God, and you're there to, to bring other people to him. And like God has you there for a purpose and a reason, and he's got it all worked out. But in your job, if it's only for a paycheck, then it's with some of my life. I know it's tough. You may have to clean the toilets, and you may have to do some things you don't want to do. And, but the truth is, is that God has provided for you in your job with all your heart. Give it to him. But also in my church, you know, some people think that, that church is for them. Like I, and, and, and don't get me wrong, as a, as a church member or as somebody who's involved here at Life, thank God we have each other. Amen? But listen, don't not give out. You got to serve back. This is not about how you can be served. I, I remember one time I was putting together this thing. I was first in ministry, and we had a, 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 a college event. Man, I was, I was pumped for it. You know, we're going to go to this baseball game over in Tampa, and all the kids are going to sign up. And this, this one college student came up to me, and she said this. She said, who are they playing? I said, who cares? I mean, I love baseball, but depending on who they're playing is is, is, is sufficient for, are you signing up? Listen, you're missing the point. You're not here just to be served. You're here to serve. And when you come in with a some of my heart attitude, listen, it'll affect your relationship with God. It'll, it'll affect your relationship with other people. It'll affect your relationship with the job that you have. And it'll, relation, it'll affect the relationship of serving here at this church. No, no, gratefulness looks like with all my heart. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, half heart is no heart. Half heart is no heart. So I want to give you three questions today in light of that long, long introduction I just gave you to think about as we think about gratefulness or gratitude today. Question number one, how should I give thanks with all my heart? According to this scripture here, I'm supposed to do it in a couple of different ways. The first one is through my actions. In verse one, the Bible says, I will tell of your wonders. You see, gratefulness leads to bragging on God. It leads to bragging on God. He says here, I will tell. I will tell here means to recount. It means to relate. It means to show or communicate and to be expressive in that. You say, this is a verb that is an incomplete action. You say, what does that mean? You say, no matter how many times you do it, you never stop doing it. Like if you're grateful today, praise the Lord, be grateful tomorrow. If you're grateful tomorrow, be grateful the next day and the next week and the next month. And I'm telling you, we won't be grateful enough for him. It's an incomplete action. He says, I will tell of all your wonders. All your wonders here means, means it's talking about the extraordinary, the, the supernatural things that God has done. It has to do with the kind of wonder it is, the amount of wonders. And listen, I, I've never seen your wonders like I read in the Bible, Lord. Amen? I know some people think it's fantastic, but the Red Sea really happened. 1,600 feet on both sides raised up. You know, 1,600 feet is, is, is about the size of, I think, it, it's, I could be wrong here, but I want to say it's three or two or three times the size of the stratosphere. Do the math. You say the water just raised up? That's what it says. It says they walked through on dry land. I've never seen that, but I'm telling you, I wish I could have. I hope he took a video. You say, did Jonah really live in a well? That's what it says. How did it not eat him? I don't know. <laughs> he lived in a well. 
When the children of Israel got hungry as they wandered in the wilderness, the Bible says that bread fell from heaven. How did bread fall from heaven? God threw it out the window. I don't know. He called it manna. Manna in the Hebrew means what is it? They didn't even know what it was. How about those more than 70 feet high walls falling at Jericho when the children of Israel walked over the Jordan River, did some crazy things before they actually went in? If you go back and read, it's nutso stuff. It was a terrible plan. But the truth was they walked around the walls and the seventh day they just fell. They didn't take a bulldozer. There wasn't this big wrecking ball. They just fell. The wonders that we read in the Bible. But I'm going to tell you, there are other wonders too. The wonders that we can see. His creation in general. Listen, uh, when it comes to the earth and what we see there. I, when we lived in Florida, I was actually, I, I love mowing yards. That may be weird to some of y'all, but some of you get what I'm saying. Like, I just love doing it. it, it it's a release for me. It's, it's, it, but the biggest thing is when I finished mowing my yard in the, back in Florida, <clears throat> I would stand back on the sidewalk and I would just look at it. And I would call my wife out, come look at this, manicured. I mean, I would be edging other people's sidewalks. I loved it so much. But I'm telling you this, when I look at Mount Charleston, when I look at the Pacific Ocean, when I look at the Virgin River Gorge, I'm telling you what I do there is nothing. What our God has created for us here on this earth. How about man? I'll never forget when Steve Jobs came out and I, and I was just a young boy, 11, 12 years old. But I remember that video of him coming out and, 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 he, and he put that, do you remember the Macintosh? And then it spoke and everybody was like, wow. But you know, man's been speaking from the beginning. We're not plugged up somewhere to re-energize us and we actually can talk to each other. Like we can think, we can solve problems. Listen, when I look at the wonders of God, I, I, I love that Steve Jobs did that because I carry a phone around. Sometimes I'm mad at him about it, but I, isn't it amazing what computers can do? But I will promise you, we're the computer that never stops and that God has been creating for more than 18,000 years at the very least. We are a wonder ourselves. How about love? Listen, listen, love itself is a wonder of God that we can care about other people and then other people can care about us. We have this feeling for people, but where did that come from? From him. It's a wonder. When I look at the stars and the planets, unbelievable. And what they tell us about the stars and the planets is even crazier than that, that he's still creating animals. I remember when this robotic dog came out, this little toy, I got my little, and, and then the Furby. Do you remember the Furby or the talking Elmo? Those of you who are old enough to understand what I'm saying there. Amazing, but here's what I'll tell you. I got a dog who knows me today. He can't say my name. I, she might can, actually. But God's got animals all over the planet that are doing amazing things and are Loving and kind and real and not have to be energized by a sea battery. How about the food that we eat? I mean, we just came off Thanksgiving. How can we not say that? We put together, my wife makes this strawberry, homemade strawberry cake. I'm talking about with like 16 pounds of butter. You can tell. It's amazing. It takes her a long time, but it's so doggone good. And while she created that mixture, maybe uh, to, to some degree, the truth is, is that God had a chicken lay an egg and a cow that produced the butter. 
and some wheat that grew out of the ground. Listen, the food that we eat is given to us by God. And it's a wonder. Listen, we can read about stuff in the Bible, but we don't have to even go there anymore to look at the wonders of God. All we got to do is just look around us all the time. Listen, I will praise you. I will extol you. I will tell of your wonders, Lord. I am grateful for those things. Not just through that, though, but also um, not just through my actions will I do that, but through my emotions and my attitude. He goes on in verse 2 and says, I'll be glad and exalt you, exalt in you. I will sing praise to your name, most high. You see, grateful emotions produce happiness. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Grateful emotions, grateful actions will produce happiness in your life. John Maxwell said there's only two kinds of people, those who add value to your life and those who suck the life right out of you. Right? You ever be around somebody that just adds value to your life? Like when you see them, you just want to walk toward them. Hey, what's up? Hit me up. Tell me the deal. Like, encourage me. To, but if you see the other person, you're like becoming like a pencil and hiding behind a little tree. You know? You're like, oh, here comes somebody's going to. And here's why. Because there's one person that, that, that understands joy and happiness and adding uh, value to other people's lives. And there are other people who just want to suck the life right out of you. You know why? Because they're not happy. And I'm not talking about being in a. In a, in a, in a being happy when things are great. I'm talking about being happy when things aren't so great. Gratitude produces this happiness. They show their pleasure and their contentment, and they are full of cheer. Gratitude produces emotions that express elation, that express exuberance. And this means to be made happy or to express great happiness. Gratefulness will cause you to sing, too. I've been in churches all my life. All my life. I've been pastoring now for 21 years. 21 years I've watched. And in services, Matt, I'm about to help you out, brother. You in here? I don't have my glasses on, so I don't even know who's out there. Women sing. Men do this. Generally. Listen, sing. It'll produce happiness in your heart. Listen, I sing all the time. I sing in the car. I'm almost for certain I sound exactly like the Backstreet Boys sometimes. Because <laughs> when they sing, I'm singing with them. And to be honest, I don't really have a genre. I like them all. And when one comes on, I know, Christian or not, I usually sing it. Judge me if you want. But I'm for positive. I can sound, I can do R&B. I can do, listen, I can do country. Rap, I sound just like those people. At least I think I do. <laughs> my grandfather used to love to whistle. Anybody whistle? Like my grandfather would whistle everywhere he went. You know why? Whistling is, is kind of known as, that, is, 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 is singing with the mouth without actually singing words. But whistling is actually something that comes from the heart. There's a happiness about that. Scientists tell us that singing releases endorphins. And, and, and endorphins make us feel really, really good. So the happier you are, the more you sing. And the more you sing, the happier you are. So sing more. Maybe that's why men aren't as happy as women. Generally. Sing. 
You see, gratefulness will be shown not only through your actions, but through your attitude as well. Not just through what you do, but by how you think. Gratefulness is an attitude of the heart that comes out in thanksgiving. So question two, when should I give thanks with all my heart? Question one was, how do I do that? And question two is, when should I give thanks? You see, all the verbs in these first two verses of chapter 9 are imperfect verbs. And I told you a minute ago briefly what that means. The imperfect tense indicates that the action is not yet completed. Here's what this means. I am thanking God, but I am not finished thanking God. I may have started thanking God, but I am not finished. In English, we see this verb as future. And in fact, it says it right here. I will give thanks. I will tell. I will be glad. In other words, as not having been completed or done yet is what the psalmist here is saying. I am thanking God, but I will thank him tomorrow, and then I will thank him again. I will tell tomorrow, and then I will tell it again. I will be glad today. I will be glad tomorrow. This isn't in my notes either, but why is it so hard for us? I'm not sure we get who God is. Because when you are overwhelmed with him. Like if he were to step literally, bodily, physically in this room today. I don't think any of us would have a problem being grateful for him. But he is in this room today. You may not see him visibly, but he's here. Thanking him is not a one-time event. It is an ongoing life. You see, we're supposed to thank him. It's even possible. It's impossible. Let's put it that way. To ever be finished thanking God for his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his forgiveness, for his love, for his care completely for us. So when do I give thanks? Here's when you give thanks. As you live your life. There's never a wrong time to offer thanksgiving to our God. How do I do it with my mouth, with my actions, with my attitude? When should I do it? As I live. Every single moment of my life. Understanding who he is and what he's done for me. But then last, question three, why should I give thanks with all my heart? Why should I do that? Well, Psalm 9, and like I said, I'm not going to read all this, but I'm just going to kind of pick a few verses about why the psalmist here was thankful with his heart, with all his heart. The rest of Psalm 9 kind of gives us the reason why. Verse 3, he says, when my enemies turn back, they stumble and perish before you. You know why? Because he's our defender. Why should I have gratitude toward God? Why should I be grateful to Why should I give thanks? Because you don't even know it, but he's defending you even now. This brings up another subject, though. You don't have to defend yourself. Somebody wronging you? I know how we are. We're like, I'm not going to sit back and take that. Listen, I'm a big boy. I can, you know, I can pull myself by my... Listen, God defends you. He is our defender. He knows who the real enemy is, and sometimes we don't know who the real enemy is. Amen? Amen. Verse 7 tells us that he abides forever and will judge the world in righteousness. Here... The reason we should thank him is because he is eternal and he is righteous and he is the righteous judge. 
You see, he sees the past. He sees the present. And he sees the future all at the same time. He has and always will be who he is. And the way he sees it is the way it'll be. The verdict he will always render will always be correct. He is a good judge all the time. There's no getting off. And there's no being guilty incorrectly with him. He is righteous. And for that, we are thankful. God deals with us correctly every single time. Verse 11 says this, he does not forget the cry of the afflicted. You see, God knows everything that we go through. Whatever we're going through, God knows about it. Whatever you're enduring, he cares and will vindicate you. Ultimately, God will handle whatever is in your life. I look at people who are much more afflicted than me. I look at people who have so much less than me or so many more problems than I could ever imagine. But here's what I know. God's grace is sufficient. He knows everything we go through. Verse 17 says this. The wicked will return to Sheol and the needy won't be forgotten. You see, he always gives what we deserve. Those who have relied on self instead of God will suffer the consequence of eternal life without God. I know that sounds really, really rough and really, really mean, but our loving God is also a just God. I just talked about him being the, 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 the righteous judge. But those who have feared him will have eternal life with him. We should be grateful because he always gives what we deserve. So what is so wrong with forgetting to be or not being grateful? What's so wrong about it? Well, Tim Keller said it like this. He said, the root of all human sin is ingratitude. Just think about that. The root of all human sin is ingratitude. Sin is cosmic ingratitude. It gives the delusion that you have the ability to conduct and hold your life together. But we don't, do we? He continues by saying this. He said, every day that your heart keeps pumping and your country is not invaded and your brain keeps functioning is holy and undeserved gift of God. We ought to live simple, normal, uneventful days full of amazed, thankful joy. Man, as I read that quote and read it again and read it again and Read it again. Our problem with ingratitude is pride. Those of you who have kids, you know what this looks like. I mean, nothing against kids. I used to be a kid. Sometimes I still am. But when I was a kid, I didn't know how dad was paying the electric bill. I remember one time I wanted something really, really badly and we were at Kmart I said dad I really need this thing he said son you don't you don't need that thing I said oh it's yeah it's I mean that balloon's big I need that he said son I don't you don't need it but I don't I don't have the money to get it and I said well don't you have checks he said, yes, I have some checks. I said, just write a check. He said, that's not the point, son. You see, you got to have money in the bank to cover the check. That's how this works. Today, it's the debit card. Just, don't you have the debit card? I got it. Well, then let's get that new TV. It's Black Friday. 
It's only 1500 bucks. Everybody wants to OLED. You got to have... Listen, I can't take care of myself. Ingratitude says, I'll handle this all on my own, Lord. Gratitude says, Lord, I need you at every single moment. And the only reason I have anything that I have is because of you. And because of that, I will say to you, thank you. I won't just say it with my mouth. I will do it with my actions. I will do it with my attitude. And I will pass that along to other people. Vance Havner said this about gratefulness, and I'll be done. He said, the whole Christian life, listen to this, is one big thank you. The living expression of our gratitude to God for his goodness. But we take him for granted. And what we take for granted, we never take seriously. The reason he says that we're ungrateful is because we don't take God seriously. Remember the definition we gave for gratefulness when we started. The attitude of my heart toward that which is undeserved or unexpected. And especially as it relates to God. And if you're like me, maybe the reason I didn't want to write a thank you note when my mom asked. Or maybe the reason I don't say thank you to people who give me a gift, to be honest, is because of this. I expected them to do it. I think I'm owed that. I don't see that I need them in my life, him in my life. I think I can handle this all on my own. You see, gratefulness comes when my heart realizes that what I have received is undeserved. It's unexpected. I don't know if you've ever been to an international country besides this one and maybe Mexico or Canada. I don't know if you've ever been to the other side of the world. I don't know if you've been to South America where you can look at people who have less than us. But listen... When I look at them, I'm almost for certain they have more. Not stuff, but this understanding of who the real person is inside of them. I've seen some of the poorest things I've ever seen. And every time I've gone to different parts of the world, I didn't think it could get any worse. But the truth is, is they're still smiling. We have so much, we don't know what we got. But are you grateful? The Christian life is one big thank you, Vance Havner said. So here's the deal as we close today. Are you a grateful person? You should be because your Christianity drives you to that. Your dependence on him. Do you give thanks to God with all your heart? Are you relaying the blessings that you have to other people? And then last, are you displaying thanks to others appropriately? And giving thanks is a godly thing. But having a heart of gratitude is what produces that outward word, that emotion, and that action. Be grateful. Our God has been good to us. And he will be good. Jesus, thank you for your grace today. Lord, the reason that we aren't grateful so many times is because we don't know what we got. And I mean me. Not just the people I look at or that will see this somewhere, sometime. But God, I take you for granted. And so as we sit here today and Matt and the team come to lead us, I just want you to ask yourself this question. Do I realize that I need him? Listen, don't give the, the church answer of absolutely. Well, of course we intellectually know it, but does your heart know that?
Sometimes, most of the time, our sin blinds us from the gratefulness that we should have. So just sit right there alone with God right now, wherever you are, whoever you are, and just tell him thank you.